it's just brilliant having the band here. Thank you so much for all the work that uh, has happened to make this possible today and for all the, the great music we've had over the, the lockdown on videos. We really appreciate the work that the, the music team have done. Please open up your Bibles to uh, the Song of Songs that was read to us uh, a moment ago. So why? Why should we bother listening this morning to a song about love and romance? Well, this song is in the Bible because it is pointing us to the passionate and loving relationship that God wants to have with you. That's why we're paying attention to this. The God who created you wants this loving, passionate relationship with you. Everything about this created world is designed to bring you into this relationship with the God who created it. A God who's passionate about his creation and he's passionate about us. Now, what, what do you think is the best season in the year? What, what, I don't know what we could do a survey, but I think probably near the top of the, uh, of the list would be, have to be spring, surely? I mean, after a, a cold, dark winter, there's something so delightful about spring, the promise of those early snowdrops, the joy of the daffodils, which means it's Six Nations time, the cherry blossom on the trees, the sound of, of pigeons cooing and pursuing uh, each other, nest building, um, neighbors start appearing because it, it gets fractionally warmer in Edinburgh. Uh, and, and, and we sense that warmth and we move out towards it and we see each other in, in our gardens doing a bit of digging and, and we start chatting again. Uh, young people emerge from a winter having matured a bit and they start noticing each other in fresh ways with new appreciation as they wander about. As uh, Tennyson says in his poem, Locksley Hall, in the spring a young man's fancy lightly turns to thoughts of love. There's something wonderful about springtime. And it's got this springtime vibe as we come to the Song of Songs. Um, it stubbornly refuses to be in a linear structure, but there is a general movement in the song, and it covers different aspects of love. And so far, we've heard the early stages of desire, of falling in love, of spending time together, and now these verses move us to the next stage of commitment. And what we've got in these verses is a springtime proposal, a loving pursuit, and some tensions of pre-wedding waiting. So we've got springtime proposal, loving pursuit, and thirdly, some of the tensions of pre-wedding waiting. So let's think about the the springtime proposal, come with me. We were out uh, for the evening a few weeks ago uh, with some friends walking along the edges of Swanston Golf Club. It was early evening. I heard the rustling. Uh, my eyes went up to this bush, and out of this bush leaped a deer, bounded over the fence, and ran off up the hillside, out of sight. It was a glorious sight. It's one of these wonderful things. Oh, a deer. I don't know why. There's plenty of them out there, but it's still exciting. Oh, a deer. And there's something about that going on in this, uh, 
in this proposal, this is, this is how she describes the momentous day that her dreams began to become real. The day he came to propose to her. She's at a childhood home. And verse 8, listen. She, she hears him. My beloved. And look, here he comes. <laughs> He's bounding over the mountains like a gazelle, like a young stag. He's bounding over the mountains, but not running away. He's running towards her. Coming over the hills and, and drawing energetically towards her house. The, the distance is rapidly closed. And it, it brings to my mind the, uh, the song that was in my head as I was studying this was Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. There ain't no mountain high enough. There ain't no valley low enough. There ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you. That's kind of the mood music as this stag is launching itself towards their house. Her beloved is now close. He's right by the house. He's, he's, he's anxious to see her. He's really eager. He's peeking through the windows. Is she there? Is she there? He's looking through the lattice. She's been dreaming about this day. We've heard her desires already in the song. Take me away with you, she's desired. Let him lead me to the banquet hall. And now she hears him calling to her to come out of her mother's house to be with him in the beauties of this springtime. Look at 2 verse 10. My beloved spoke and said to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. This is, this is Israel. It's not Edinburgh. The rains stay with us. How wonderful to have the green grass. But in Israel, how nice. It must be that the winter is the rain time. The winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Verse 12, flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossom vines spreading their fragrance. Arise. Come, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. Now, springtime transforms creation, doesn't it? Even the dumpiest places can look nice. And their love just turns the world into a spring of new life and beauty and possibilities. But if she wants to move forward with him, this is the time to respond. Arise. Come, my darling. Come with me. Now notice with me that he takes the initiative. Like a young stag in spring, uh, very eager to find her. Uh, this young stag has been motivated to come across difficult and dangerous mountains with great intent to propose to this woman. Come with me. Now why is this such an enchanting scene? Even for blokes, this is an enchanting scene, believe it or not. Even if you're tough. It's because each of us knows that the most fundamental thing in the world is relationships. We were designed for relationships. God, there's one God who exists in three persons. And at the center of the universe is a God in relationship, in love. The, the Father who loves the Son, the Son who loves the Father, the Spirit who loves the Son. The, 
this mutual, indwelling, self-giving love has been the story of reality. And out of God's love, he creates the world, and he creates humanity, and he creates us wonderfully as male and female, fundamentally equal in dignity, and yet wonderfully different. We're designed by God to, um, to only be able to exist and fulfill his creation purpose of, through mutual dependence and self-giving love. We can only be fruitful and fill God's world by leaving the house of our parents, joining our lives to, to someone of the opposite sex and starting a new household and in a family. And then we have the richness of all these relationships. Husbands and wives, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, grandchildren, friends and neighbors. This is the rich tapestry of love that God has designed because he's the triune God of love. Now, just let's, let's think about some applications. First of all, human love. Last Sunday uh, in the first service, I looked up and I noticed it was Glenn Harrison, who normally lives in London. Now, Glenn is a retired uh, psychiatrist, a professor of psychiatry, and uh, he's written a wonderful book called um, A Better Story, God, Sex, and Human Flourishing. It's a brilliant book. It's well worth reading. And so um, got together in the afternoon, had a coffee, and he was asking about my family, and when he heard about my eldest son Nathan getting married in the summer, he exclaimed, oh, wonderful. It is so good to hear of young men committing to marriage because the studies show this is getting rarer. Uh, the stats show that this is a generation that, is, that fears commitment. Uh, this is the FOMO generation, fear of missing out. You know, there are so many options that people are paralyzed to make any choices. People don't want to commit to an invitation to some just in case a better one comes along. Uh, people get fearful of getting st stuck in a job or stuck in a relationship. Marriage is seen as something that you might do perhaps after cohabiting for a while, after you've got a mortgage together, believe it or not. I don't know why people would dare do that, but there we go. And, and, and perhaps after some children. But the statistics are quite clear, and Glenn Harrison draws this out, that cohabiting relationships are far more likely to break up than people who are married. And marriages are more likely to break up if people first cohabited. Now, I know life is, is complicated and it takes two to tango, but I want to invite single younger men here to meditate on this intentional and proactive man in the Song of Songs as he moves towards this woman and invites her to arise and go with him. Do you notice he, he overcomes all obstacles and he pursues her to become his bride and i can assure you that getting great scores on video games and collecting blu-ray box sets will not bring this about uh, to be in a relationship to stay in a relationship requires effort tenacity pursuit but can i say to you don't keep pursuing a girl who's told you she just wants to be friends because that's just creepy. It's called stalking, so stop that. But, but still, 
Notice she is clearly delighted that her beloved has come and made this proposal. And maybe at this springtime, it's maybe time for some young man to leap into action. Well, that's what your mothers have been telling me anyway. All right, secondly, divine love. You know, we were designed for relationship with each other and supremely we were designed for relationship with God. And the tragedy of Genesis chapter 3, having God made this beautiful universe and this beautiful world and this beautiful garden and put this man and woman to enjoy it and, and God be able to come down at the end of the day and walk with them and hear about their day and relate to them. Genesis chapter 3, they willfully rebel against God and their sin puts a terrible separation and a distance between them and God. They hide themselves from God. And the wonderful message of the rest of the Bible is God's pursuit of sinful rebels, of God's courageous love. Like a, a young stag leaping over mountains to come to her house, God has gone to courageous and energetic lengths to come down and pursue you nothing could hold back our savior the great divide of our sinful separation he dealt with it by taking on human flesh bounding down from glory to pursue you and over and over as you read the gospel accounts we see the great compassion of jesus as he moves towards people in their suffering and their sin healing freeing forgiving and calling come follow me come and in brave courage he he goes to the cross this bloodiest of deaths so that the separation of our sins could be removed so that we could be bought and brought back into his everlasting kingdom in the words of the great hymn that we sometimes sing from heaven he came and sought us to be his holy bride with his own blood he bought us and for her life he died and by god's grace and by his holy spirit every genuine believer knows something of the pursuit of god for them for their soul what was said as a criticism of Jesus in his day is the basis of hope for all of us. We sang about it a moment ago. Jesus, friend of sinners. He loved me before I knew him. He drew me with his cords of love. He tightly bound me to him. Round my heart still closely twined the ties that none can sever for i am his and he is mine forever and forever isn't that glorious and when you hear the call of jesus it is a call to resurrection life for the bible is clear that um, we are dead and unresponsive in our sins we're spiritually dead until he says to us arise my beautiful one, come with me. Like Jesus standing before the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. He says, arise, come. Come with me. 
And what I want to say to you this morning, what I want to say to you this morning is if you're not a Christian, you're still in winter. You're still living in winter. Now, this won't make sense because you've only ever lived in winter. It doesn't make sense what I'm saying. You can't imagine life to be different. But when Jesus calls you, go with him. And you'll find it's spring. Just as springtime makes even the dumpiest place look better. Just as being in love transforms everything. With Jesus Christ in your life, everything is changed and transformed. There are still challenges. Of course there are. We're going to see that in a moment as we go on with the song. But you will face them with Jesus. One of the greatest joys I have as a pastor is to see the difference that Jesus makes in people's lives. I think about um, uh, one particular group of folk, and there was a man in there who was not yet a Christian when, I, when he started doing these Bible studies, and he looked haggard, he looked stressed, he was frowning, uh, he looked angry, he looked bitter, he looked broken. And then he gave his life to Christ. Honestly, I, I, it was my wife and I often comment about this, he physically changed. His face started beaming because the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ had saved him. He was freed from the guilt of the past. Amazing. Jesus can do wonderful things. And so if you hear him say to you this morning, arise, come with me, my beautiful one. He's going to make you beautiful. Go with him today. If you have not done so, start today. And he's going to produce that fruit in your life. Now, how does she respond? Well, we've just read what was her account. She's recounting what he said to her, and she sounded quite delighted, don't you think? But alongside their joy, it does seem as if there were complications in this relationship. And so we hear his voice again. We heard her recount his proposal. Now, in verse 14 of chapter 2, we hear him directly as he pursues her. We see his loving pursuit. Show me your face. Look at verse 14. My dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Now, was it a misunderstanding? A miscommunicated word? We don't know. But she's retreated, hasn't she? She's become withdrawn. She's turned away from him. She's hiding herself away like a timid dove hiding in a rocky cleft on a mountainside on a, on a windy day. And a loving relationship is never static. It is one of the puzzles. <laughs> Everything seems to be going great, and then suddenly things are not so smooth. Love ebbs and flows. There can be moments of wonderful closeness and, uh, and rest and togetherness, and then suddenly conflict and distance. Even in spring, as we know in Scotland, the chill winds can blow in from the north and everything can get frosty again. Love is complicated. I find it complicated as a, as a bloke. I don't always see it coming. And it gets frosty. What's going on? What's happened? And for whatever reason, she has pulled back. 
She's being more elusive. But notice with me that this is a love that pursues. Show me your face. Let me hear your voice. He gently seeks her. He, he woos her back. Will she talk to him? Let him know what, what's the problem. What has upset her? What's making her anxious that makes her want to hide away? He can't stand the silence. He wants to hear her voice. Will she at least just turn around and face him? Will she let him see her face? He wants to see her lovely face. He wants to give her his full attention. Now, it's very hard to fake answers when you're talking face to face, isn't it? So much communication is non-verbal and it's seen in the whole face. And relationships and marriages only last with some effort and a love that will keep pursuing the other. So he gently calls her, show me your face. And not only does he call to her, but he makes an appeal to the whole community around them in verse 15. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. I was reading on the news how farmers in eastern Australia are struggling with a massive explosion of mice that are devouring the crops. This is one of the challenges, isn't it, for anyone growing crops? How do you deal with the, the critters, the rodents, the omnivorous animals that, that will eat away at your plants and ruin your good crop? Now, we've already learned she works in a vineyard. She's even described her body as like a vineyard. And he sees that they're both blooming. They're both ready for love. But there are those little foxes that come in to the vineyard that damage the vines in bloom and seem to sabotage their relationship. You know, other people can make life difficult for your relationship. The culture around us can make life difficult for relationships. Lockdown's not helped, has it? For people to meet together, restaurants and coffee shops and pubs being shut down. Distractions abound today. I mean, show me your face couldn't be more contemporary, isn't it? Because where are people's faces most of the time? Staring at their phone. Sh show me your face. Can, can you put your gadget down? Can you talk to me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Online stories and social feeds, online games, online betting, online pornography. A culture that promotes sex without commitment. A culture that mocks virginity. So many foxes that ruin the vineyard. And personal fears and insecurities about appearance and body image, shame and guilt, harsh words and unforgiveness, mistrust and pride. People looking to find their fulfillment in work, making long, long hours and never being home. Well, there's so many foxes that ruin things and we need to be intentional about getting rid of the things that get in the way of the most important thing which is our loving relationships now we also need to apply this to our relationship with God I think this is the extraordinary thing God has gone to extraordinary lengths to save you and bring you into a relationship with him but you know what? So often we're the ones who turn our face from him. We're the ones who hide from God. 
we're the ones who are content with being distracted with lots of other things rather than enjoying this relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And do you know what? Jesus is longing to see my face. Jesus is longing to see your face. Christian believer, can you actually read these words and hear the voice of Jesus to your soul today? Julian Hardiman, in his helpful book, Jesus, Lover of My Soul, please get a copy, it's terrific. Use it in your quiet times. He, um, he recounts a dialogue he found himself having after kind of meditating on the Song of Solomon. This kind of got into his head. Uh, let, me, let me tell you what, what, what the dialogue, dialogue was. So he says, oh no, it's 7.30 already, I'm late. Too late for a quiet time. I suppose the Lord will understand. Show me your face. But I'm too busy. Show me your face. But you've got lots of other disciples. Why can't you pick on one of those whose alarm clock went off on time? Show me your face. But I haven't had time to shave. And and lots of people are going to want to see my face. And they won't want to see it if I'm not shaved. Show me your face. But my face isn't worth seeing. Show me your face. Lord, even I don't like my face, uh, let alone what's behind it. And you've got much higher standards than me. Show me your face, for your face is lovely. Oh no, it's lopsided, it's blotchy. I've got a revolting spot on my forehead. Show me your face, for your face is lovely. I think you've got my attention now, but what can I say? Let me hear your voice. Well, I think that's happening, isn't it? I can't can't imagine you're enjoying it particularly. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet. I've got a sore throat. um, And seriously, all I'm doing is moaning. Your voice is sweet. Okay, Lord. You win. It's not about me, right? It's about you. You just want me. Well, I love you, and your face is beautiful to me. Your voice is lovelier than any other voice. Thank you. The Lord Jesus came from heaven's glory to pursue you, to save you, and to bring you into a vital relationship with him today. And tomorrow and this week. Have you ever thought about this? Quiet times each day as we read the Bible, as we turn that into our prayers, it's not just about us getting something for ourselves. Have you thought about this? It's actually about giving of ourselves to the one who loves us and delights in us. Have you ever thought about this? Do your quiet time for Jesus. It's a radical thought, isn't it? He wants to see your face. He wants to hear your voice. In fact, he doesn't want you just to quickly read your passage and say the same thing you always say and actually you're never looking at him. It's the same as gazing at your phone while having a conversation with your wife. You're not really paying attention. Show me your face. By the way, I think coming to church is not just about getting something for ourselves. 
you know, I can easily do that at home, watching on video. Why? You know, we're the bride of Christ. He longs to hear his bride sing. And we're longing to sing. My goodness, I'm looking forward to be able to sing properly. He longs to hear us sing. He longs to see our face, the bride of Christ, gathered together, enjoying him. What holds us back from actually coming? Fear? Desiring our own comfort? Distraction? I think it's time to shoot some foxes, don't you? Back to the song. Back to the song. It seems as if his wooing has been heard and responded to. Look at verse 16. My beloved is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies. She has turned her face to him and their faces are close together and they're enjoying each other's lips. He belongs to her and she belongs to him. This is covenant language. This is commitment language. The proposal is accepted. All awkwardness is gone, and they're enjoying tenderness and togetherness. And as the evening gives way tonight, although that they are now engaged and there's a commitment, it is still before the wedding day, and so she delicately draws some boundaries. Turn, my beloved and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills see what she does she turfs him out they've been smooching she's on your way it's time to go it's time for the young stag to be heading back over the hills for they are not yet married now hopefully this it shouldn't be just down to the to the woman uh, godly men will also want to be careful to draw boundaries on physical intimacy and uh, shouldn't all be down to the women but women tell them where to go as well patience and and waiting and self-control are really important in lots of areas of your life not least with regard to your sex drive and of course we've got a culture now that's desperately trying to row back from a tsunami of sexual permissiveness as we hear more and more stories of how women do not feel safe going out alone at nighttime for they fear that they're going to be harassed and molested because of this sexually permissive culture. True love waits. She truly loves him, but she tells him to turn, be on his way. Waiting is good, but waiting causes tensions and stresses and strains and it can stir up our fears and that's the third point we see here the tension of pre-wedding worry in in verses uh, 16 down to 3 verse 5 turn my beloved she says so chapter 3 starts with her sharing a recurring dream and it's possible that that dream actually begins back in chapter 2 verse 16 was she dreaming of kissing him all through the night i don't know it's hard to say it's a song with evocative lyrics that refuses to be totally defined. But that moment of turning her beloved away from her begins to haunt her dreams. You know, maybe he's not coming back. Maybe turning him away, maybe I've lost him. And she has this nightmare dream. Um, she fears that she's lost him forever, all night long. Look at 3 verse 1. All night long on my bed. It sounds like actually lots of nights in, in the original language. 
I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. I will go up now and go about the city through its streets and squares. This is why I think it's a dream. This is very unlikely to uh, a young single woman to head into the, into the town at this late at night. I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but did not find him. The watchman found me, the polis, uh, as they made their rounds in the city. Ha, uh, have you seen the one I love? My heart loves? It's a scary and frightening dream. Lost in the middle of the night. But suddenly, like dreams do, suddenly he appears. Verse 4. Scarcely had I passed him when I found the one my heart loves. I held him. I would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. Daughters of of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. See, the warning returns. Love is wonderful, but it is a roller coaster. They're committed, but they're waiting. And as the time goes on, it feels worse to be separated and to be apart. And so she turns to the bridesmaids again. She says, and look, don't wake this thing up until it's the right time with the right man and the right place of marriage. But as I, as I close from the fears that can come when you love someone so much, I think it's worth saying that our Christian relationship with the Lord also ebbs and flows. If you come to church and think that everyone around you has this relationship with the Lord where every day they sense his smile and his closeness and it's, and it's warm and it's an intense relationship with Christ all the time. That's not my experience. Two, my relationship with the Lord feels like it ebbs and flows. There are times of feeling of great closeness, but there are times where it feels that God is more distant, where Christ is more distant from me. And it seems that that is this experience and this dream that we've got here. Now, it's obvious if we decide to ignore the Lord Jesus and, and stop listening to, the, to, the, to, to, the, to his word in the Bible and, we, and we, um, we stop talking to him in prayer and we don't bother meeting with others in church, then it's not a surprise uh, if we're pursuing sin and, and, and avoiding these means of God's grace that he's going to feel absent from us. But you know, devoted disciples who are reading, who are praying, who are going to church, who are uh, obeying Christ... They too know seasons where it feels as if the Lord Jesus has withdrawn from them. Listen to what David says in Psalm 30, verse 7. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. Or in Psalm 42, I said to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Now, what's this experience about? If you want to read more about it, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones has published, uh, published a very thick book called Spiritual Depression, which is well worth reading. Sometimes it is just a subjective issue, a health issue, an issue for uh, more depressive personalities where they don't feel that closeness and joy that others seem to. 
William Cowper, a friend of John Newton, suffered with great mental torment and a depressive illness at a time where there were no medical treatments, really. And he wrote about this dark night of the soul. He, he wrote it in one of his hymns. Where is the blessedness I knew when I first saw the Lord? Where is the soul-refreshing view of Jesus and his words? What peaceful hours I once enjoyed. How sweet their memory still. But now I feel an aching void the world can never fill. And it seems that in the Lord's providence, there are times where it appears as if he withdraws. And what's going on there? Well, perhaps it is a time to stir us up to more closely seek after him. To be like this woman who... Uh, is proactive. She gets out of her bed and she goes seeking until she finds and clings and treasures the Lord Jesus. But whatever the subject, subjective sense, I invite the band to come up here. Whatever the subjective sense, notice this is a nightmare. It's not the truth of the situation at all. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you see what great lengths God has gone to because he's passionate about you? Do you see the great love the Lord Jesus has you he came from heaven he sought you he bought you with his own blood and do you know what he desires a relationship with you today tomorrow one day you're going to see him face to face but we're not waiting just for that day he is pursuing you show me your face let me hear your voice he wants to go through life with you will you arise and go with him today. It's amazing, his love. Let's enjoy it as we stand.